Well, hello everybody and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for September the 12th, 2023, and I am delighted to have this time with you. I hope that your week is going along well, and I meant to do this yesterday, but I'll go ahead and do it now. Be aware that it is a special weekend at Old Providence. We have special services and homecoming this weekend. Homecoming is Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, followed by a covered dish meal. And we would love for you to come out for that. Special services begin that Sunday night at 7 o'clock, and they run through Wednesday night, and we have our ice cream social afterwards on Wednesday But y'all, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this time that is coming before us. Um, I know if you will make the commitment, if you're local, make that commitment to come and be a part of what we're doing because you will be blessed by it as you see and hear testimony about how the Lord is working and about how the Holy Spirit is encouraging Come back to that in just a moment here. But Reverend Joe Fleming, who is an international missionary and also the director of a missions agency called Training to Send, is going to be our guest speaker. Now, um, again, I thank you for being here. Let's open with prayer and I'll get back to this encouragement of the Holy Spirit business. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us. What a blessing it is to know that you are active in the world around us. You're active in our lives. And evidence of that is this time together where we can come together, where we can open your word and where we can be guided by your Holy Spirit. So please do just that. Let us yield to your spirit's guidance. Let us uh, feel the calling that you have presented us in your word. And Father, give us glad hearts, hearts that rejoice, not not heads that get wrapped up in all the goings on around us to, to be discouraged by this news article or or by this event or other things. Instead, let us see you. Please guide us now. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, encouragement of the Holy Spirit. If you joined us yesterday, you'll know that we started back in the book of Acts in chapter 9. We picked up where we left off and we read about Saul of Tarsus, that that former, well, for lack of a better term, uh, ISIS member, right? That's, that's practically what he functioned as for Christians. He is converted. The Lord saved the unsavable, the most unlikely of converts, the Lord saved. He came back to Jerusalem. Initially, he was rejected because the disciples said, yeah, this is too good to be true. But it wasn't too good to be true because our God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. But nevertheless, it took Barnabas, the encourager, taking Saul to the apostles. And then he goes all over Jerusalem and he's preaching about Jesus. The Grecian Jews hear it and he gets into discussions with them and they try to kill him. You know, not a surprise, same kind of thing that happened with Jesus. And then we find out that instead he is sent down to Caesarea. And then we're given this vague, well, not vague, but this very general statement. This is where we left off yesterday. It's where we pick up today in verse 31. It simply says, and it's a very broad, overarching statement. It applies to what we're going to read today. But it says, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. 
That whole business of strengthening, strengthening and encouragement of the Holy Spirit, yo, that, that's what we're going to see today and where we go next. That's what this is all about, really, because it's in verse 32, and this is where we're picking up today. If you don't have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. Acts chapter 9, verse 32, I mentioned that we come to a pretty major transition point, right? We have Saul being converted in the first part of chapter 9, then we have him going to Jerusalem. We find out he's been sent to Caesarea. And now we're back with Peter in Acts 9.32. And we find out that as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Anais, or Aeneas, or however you want to pronounce that, right? I, I have the books and I know the technical pronunciation, but I, I can't help but pronounce things the way I, I'm used to reading them. But nevertheless, there he found a man named Anais, a paralytic, who had been bedridden for eight years. Ananias, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up, take care of your mat. Immediately, Ananias got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And then we find out, verse 36, in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Dorcas, who was also doing, uh, who was also doing good or always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Time out. Pause. Hold on a second. Does any of this sound familiar to you? You know, does it, does it, does it, does it sound like things that you might have heard before? Realize that before Acts, we went through the gospel according to John. Rewind what we got to yesterday. Yeah. Paul, and he's still called Saul. He's grow, going around. He's engaging the Jews in Jerusalem. We don't know exactly what he's saying. We just know that he's preaching about the kingdom of God. He's proclaiming Christ. And immediately they want to kill him. Does that sound like what happened with Jesus? It should. You know, we talked about this yesterday. When you tell the truth, people don't like it very much. But aside from that, it's the same paradigm as Jesus. How many times in the gospel according to John did we find Jesus engaging the Jews and they try to throw him off of a cliff or they try to stone him to death or they try to kill him or this or that or the other? Then he's preserved. He escapes. But nevertheless, it's the same kind of thing. Um, fast forward to what we just read about Ananias, Right? Peter goes to him, and it's different wording, right? It's not the same as what Jesus said, but it's the same business as Jesus healing paralytics, right? He tells them to get up and take their mat with them. Take care of your mat. It's the same thing. And now, as we come to Tabitha, Dorcas, right, what do we find? We find this situation of someone becoming gravely ill, and then they die, and then it's not Jesus that's sent for. It's not Lazarus. It's Tabitha. But it's very similar. Now, it's at this point that you might say, well, wait a second. You know, maybe we can see Peter healing someone who is paralyzed. Maybe we can see him driving out demons, that sort of thing. But resurrecting somebody from the dead? Keep going. Verse 39. 
Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the windows stood, all the widows, excuse me, stood around him, trying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Remember, they're referring to her as Dorcas, but remember the good deeds she has done for so many people? Verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. You you can interchange. Pause right there for a second. Take out Tabitha, insert Lazarus, right? Same exact language here. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, why is this in there? You know, we're tracking along storylines, right? We tracked along with Peter first, and then in chapter 9, we started tracking along with Saul's story. And then we have this overarching statement that explains why Things seemingly just shift to Peter wherever he happens to be. First off, remember that this is the Acts of the Apostles, right? The Acts of the early church. So that's why it's in there. But also you have this overarching statement and a truth is revealed here. And it's a truth that is applicable today. What we find in the book of Acts is that things like this are going on and and Acts is not exhaustive. Right, it's talking about Peter here. It's not talking about what the other apostles are doing, but we know that they're doing similar things because of the promise that Jesus made to them that they would do things such as these and even greater things. So we know that that's going on. Why? Because y'all, while in Jesus' ministry, Jesus performed signs and wonders, and, and the key is signs there. He performed these signs to point to his validity Now, by the time we get to Acts chapter 9, Jesus has been crucified on the cross, obviously. He has risen from the dead. He's ascended back into heaven. And so now we get this new twist. Don't let it pass you by the things that Peter says and does, and others for that matter. Did you catch what Peter said to Ananias there? He said to him, and this is verse 34, Jesus Christ heals you. And then later on, Peter very clearly gets on his knees and prays. What this conveys is the power that you see that we've just read about in a paralytic being healed that had been bedridden for eight years, right? And also a woman raised from the dead. This power does not belong to Peter. What you have is this interesting paradigm where Jesus performs signs to point to his validity. And now that Jesus has ascended back into heaven and the apostles are preaching the good news of Jesus, they are given these signs as well to point back to who Jesus is. And the reason for this is twofold. It's all about what the Spirit is doing, the Holy Spirit. In that, if you go back to verse 31, We read this state. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened, that's number one, and encouraged, that's number two, by the Holy Spirit. The strengthening part is very obvious here. 
We see that in verse 42. This became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. Right? That's strengthening. That's the church building and growing and adding to its number. But let's not miss the encouragement side of this. Y'all, when the Holy Spirit intervenes in the course of a church, right, or in the course of Christianity as a whole, it is meant to encourage us. It's meant to strengthen, yes, but it's also meant to encourage the church. It's meant to spur us on so that when we see these things, we recognize that Jesus and his testimony is valid, that he is who he said he was, that he's worth following, but also we're encouraged about the fact that Jesus is keeping his promise to build his church. And y'all, as it's written in verse 31, this strengthening, this encouragement from the Holy Spirit is a profound gift, and it is given for our benefit. Now, what does that have to do with anything? A few moments ago, I talked to you about this weekend. I talked to you about special services and homecoming. Now, I realize that there are lots of you that are not anywhere remotely close to Spotswood, Virginia, Old Providence. I, I get that. But y'all, one of the reasons I'm so excited about this weekend, special services, homecoming, is because we have the opportunity to receive encouragement by the Holy Spirit as we hear about how the Lord is building and strengthening his church. Y'all, if you ever wonder at what the Lord is doing, look no further than how the gospel is expanding. And I know, I, I know that here in the United States, that can be a difficult thing because we hear more and more stories about the degradation of the West, right? We hear about things falling apart and that's for good reason. The church in the United States a very large portion. In fact, the grand majority of the church in the United States is really not the church at all. It has turned its back on Jesus Christ. And as a result, you, you see what you see. You see these gigantic, titanic mega churches that are in cities and you know, thousands upon thousands of people. And yet, are those cities being transformed by that amount of people that profess to be believers? Or are the churches being transformed by the culture around them? You know the answer to that question. And no, I'm not trying to be some political firebrand of anything right now. I'm just stating the facts about what we see going on in America. But just because that's what's going on here doesn't mean that it's going on everywhere, y'all. Listen to me. The Lord is actively working. He is working in a mighty way all over the world especially in Africa, where we're seeing thousands of baptisms, where we're finding this amazing paradigm where it's like a race in Africa right now between Christianity and Islam, right? You've got so many primitive religions, witchcraft, all this kind of stuff. Islam is sweeping in. Christianity is, sleep, is sweeping in. And you know what the Islam is doing? Islam is trying to convert people first by money. You know, it's kind of a new thing for Islam. You know, oil has helped this tremendously. And no, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just stating the fact. In the history of the world, um, I believe this is still correct. There's only one nation that has willingly converted to Islam, and it's Indonesia. Every other one has been converted by the sword. In other words, 
hey, welcome to the to, to the Muslim faith. I didn't know I was Muslim. You know, pull out the sword, right? Yeah, you know, or the AK forty seven for that matter. Instead of doing that in Africa right now, what Islam is trying to do is buy people. They're going in and they're building things. They're they're handing out money left and right because we know they've got loads of it. Um, after all, it, I almost said something naughty here. Um, I'm going to say it anyway. And if you don't like it, sorry. Uh, but, you know, I, I almost was really snarky about the fact that we can't produce any oil in the United States. So we have to buy all of our oil from Arabian countries. Uh, anyway, if you know about the news and shutting down drilling in Alaska and all that stuff, you'll you'll get it. But nevertheless, um, Islam has all this money now, y'all. I mean, unbelievable sums of money. And so they're trying to buy converts. And yet, even though they're going in and they're pumping money into third world countries and in Africa, what you see is Christianity going in as well. And they're not going in with money. They're not going in making these grand promises of all these different things. Instead, what you see is the power of the gospel. And you see thousands upon thousands of people turning their backs on witchcraft. Thousands of people turning their backs on human sacrifice and coming to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In these places where women are told to sacrifice their children and where they have very public child sacrifice the message of the God who sacrificed his son for us. That's a message that resonates. And it's a message that is winning. And it's winning not because of the power of the ones who preach it. Just like these things that we've seen, they're not done because of Peter's power. No, it's because of the power of Jesus Christ. Y'all, I don't know what you pray for on a regular basis, but if you're not praying for the Lord to build his church, let me encourage you to do so. And furthermore, let me encourage you to ask the Lord to help you see the signs, to help you experience the encouragement, the strengthening of of the Holy Spirit, because it's happening and it's happening everywhere. But as it happens, There's a warning here that is not stated, but it's a warning nonetheless. This will be affirmed later on when we deal with the sons of Sceva and some other people. We've already seen it with Simon the sorcerer who tried to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, the warning here is to keep things straight in our minds. When amazing things happen, when incredible things for the kingdom take place, It's always because of the power of Jesus Christ. It's always because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Our jobs as the follower of Christ, our job as the ones who are filled with the Holy Spirit is to obey. It's to trust. It's to remember that the Lord can intervene in any situation, both on the grand national scale, but also in your life. It's to trust that he's working. And when we see amazing things, we see them for what they are, that it's the Lord strengthening, that it's the Holy Spirit encouraging. And as a result, we're to take heart. We're to have faith. We're to be excited about what the Lord is doing. And we're to examine ourselves and see what our part is. 
Am I saying that the Lord will have you resurrecting people from the dead? No, that's that's not what I'm saying. Am I saying that that you're going to go to paralysis? Not that's not what I'm saying either, y'all. But what I am saying is that by the Holy Spirit, the Lord has given us this grand privilege of being a part of his redemptive work. And he will use you in ways that you can't see right now. I guarantee you the Lord has used you in ways that you don't even know about. One day you will know. When you get to glory, you will see how all of the dots connect. But for right now, the task, the message is one of faithfulness and expectation. Faithful expectation that the Lord will work, that the Lord will do it. Y'all, the purpose of today's devotional is singular. Be encouraged. Know that the Lord is working. And also, Secondary, if you're in our area, come to special services. You will not be disappointed. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us and all the ways that you work. It's so manifest. Um, with this story of the paralytic being healed, with this story of Tabitha being raised from the dead, we shouldn't wonder at these things. For what are these compared to you? The God that, again, according to Paul in Ephesians, says you're able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And truly, you do this on a regular basis. Oh, Father, encourage us with these things. Let us see your Spirit's encouragement. Let us feel your strengthening. And I pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we will be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., or at least that's when we'll be posted. If I can do anything for you, let me know. Until then, have a great day.